Let's get real. Being a boudoir photographer is a lifestyle. Everything that we do or feel in our business inadvertently melts into our personal lives. Hi, I'm Bethany. I'm a boudoir photography coach that helps other boudoir photographers thrive and bring clarity to their work, life, and everything in between. I share about the insane highs and crashing lows of having a boudoir photography business and in life. It's like joining your bestie for a cup of your favorite matcha almond milk latte and talking all things this boudoir photographer life has to offer. Hey, we've been talking a lot about how challenging your boudoir business can be at times. It feels like it's so overwhelming when you have no idea how to bring in consistent bookings. It's the best feeling when the perfect lead lands in your inbox, but that excitement fades when you get ghosted by them. Dang it. You start wondering, is it my pricing? Is my work not good enough? It's enough to make you spiral into, who do I think I am to thinking I can run a profitable boudoir photography business? I get it, friend. For real. I used to have those exact same thoughts and it's hard to sit with them. But what if there was a proven system that showed you how to get consistent leads and bookings for your boudoir photography business and finally get paid for something you love? It's more than possible and I can't wait to show you how. My signature program, The Boudoir Business Roadmap, is getting ready to open its door soon and I wanted to give you a heads up so you can get ready to click apply now before the spaces fill up. This program is going to be a game changer if you're stuck with an empty calendar and empty studio. So sign up for the waitlist to get special pricing when it's time to apply. And I'll leave that link for you in the show notes. Hey, welcome to another episode of this Boudoir Photographer Life podcast. I'm your host, Bethany, as we shared in the intro. <laughs> So I just wanted to touch on something that horses have taught me about my boudoir photography business because if some of you, some of you have been following along for a while and I just so appreciate you. I know I have some clients out there that have done sessions with me that listen to this. So um, this will kind of fill you in and I'm sharing this with you because if you are listening and we have worked together, like you are by no means like a burden or anything like that. Um, this was something that I'm going to share that ultimately led up to a burnout, but it was more so on my end. And so I just wanted to say that as like a little precursor to this episode. So thank you for listening. Um, okay. So last December, it was cold in a lot of ways. I had just wrapped up a year of shooting for the Fearless Project. And I was completely burned out to the point where I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue shooting anymore. And believe it or not, I know a lot of us are just starting out and you're like, oh my gosh, Beth, that sounds so awesome. And it is awesome. But you need to figure out like when, like when it is too much for you. And it does happen because it's like you are just in the mixed up, mix of it and you just want to keep going and going and going and going. And then it's like, okay, why don't I want to, like I want to lay in bed a little bit longer today and I want to like spend some time and like ease into my morning. Whereas mornings where I am shooting, it's like get up and go, go, go. So it does happen. So there were a few challenging clients right in a row where I was like, okay, I have to take a break or I'm gonna lose it. But how many of you have felt this way? So horses have been in and out of my life since I was about seven years old. The Thanksgiving before my quickly escalating burnout 
I was sitting at my grandmother's house after dinner, looking through old family photo albums. And then boom, there we were. So Jack and I rode in the pasture of my grandparents' home. It was a photo of him and me. My eyes instantly welled into tears and was, I was transported back to my nine-year-old self on a hot summer day riding with my best friend who was a chestnut gelding I lovingly called Jack. We would spend hours in the pasture after school riding or even just hanging out together. As long as I was with him, nothing else mattered. And I wish that my parents really knew how like much I loved this horse because I probably wouldn't have been into boys until I was like 17 or so. But anyway, I don't know how many elementary school skating parties I would miss out on because I was with him and which it was fine because I would rather hang out with him than any of my like human friends. And he showed me what it felt like to trot and canter where it would feel like I was flying. And you know what that feels like if you are a listener that also rides. He showed me how to com- how to be compassionate and kind, something I wasn't getting from the peers at my school. I would be made fun of, mocked at at school for wearing my turquoise cowboy boots and western shirts. I would also be called horse girl, which I proudly claimed. Unfortunately, my time with Jack was short-lived. He tripped one day when we were riding. My grandfather saw it and thought it would be better to send him back to his original owners. I didn't get to say goodbye. I'm honestly still pretty upset about it here. It's been like how many years? Like 30 years. Um, But recently I learned that Jack spent the remainder of his days as a retired pasture horse, which sounds like his style. And he had a history of being a reining horse, a roping horse. He's just, he was just like an all around, like super awesome horse. And so he was just like that perfect fit of being like, oh, all I have to do is just like ride around the pasture with this like nine-year-old on my, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I can get into this. And he was always super steady and just predictable. And um, you don't always get that with a horse. He was definitely something that was really, really special. So after Jack, um, I would go to horse shows with my family. I did that before I actually had him. My aunt was a world champion barrel racer and I spent the majority of my summers with her. I would cool down my cousin's horse after she raced and then junior high happened and I slowly quit going over there. Jack wasn't there and I didn't have the capacity to attach myself to another horse with my broken heart. So little did I know I I wouldn't be until my 30s I wouldn't be and it wouldn't be until my 30s that I would find myself back into the equine world. And horses have always been floating around my orbit since I just wasn't ready to get back into it. So anyway, after that Thanksgiving where I saw the image in the photo album, I had a craving to photograph horses. And I made a post on Facebook asking if anyone knew of any horse people in the Indy area that would be willing to allow me to photograph their horses. This lovely woman was tagged and she responded enthusiastically. She showed me photos of her gypsy cob horses and a Clydesdale weanling that she had just recently acquired. We both were geeking out on the session. (laughs) I told her I didn't know how these photos would turn out because I'm a boudoir photographer and she was open to it and kind. And, you know, of course, I didn't charge her for a session or anything. I just wanted to see, like, what, like, how it felt, you know, how I explained to you in the beginning, if you've never photographed boudoir before, I really just wanted to see how it felt, how 
um, I was feeling during the process, if I felt safe, any of that stuff that you are, um, you know, if you've never done that sort of thing before and you want to make sure that you like doing it before you start running it as a service. So that December, <coughs> excuse me, little did I know these three geldings would be my doulas that would usher horses back into my life and change my life forever. So the shoot, of course, it was so much fun. I felt alive being around these boys and being at this woman's barn. I brought my friend with me as a safety person. I didn't know this woman from Adam, but the longer we were there, the more I felt like this woman and I had a, like a soul connection and someone who was concerned about horse advocacy and well-being. It was really like a breath of fresh air. And she was telling me, you should really get back into horses, as she was mentioning, during and after the session. And how I was feeling was I was burning. I was burned up. I was so excited, not just from coming in from the cold, but I felt a space in my heart coming out to me. Like, where have you been? I now have three mares in my life that carry three different female archetypes. I have a maiden, the mother, and the sage. So fast forward to May, I took up riding lessons at a hunter jumper barn because I was like, I don't know where to go. I want to try out these different riding styles because I've always done Western. And this is where I met Franny. So if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see on my personal account, you'll see an avatar is a photo of me with a horse. And that is her. She is 22 years old and 17 hands, Dutch warm blood. And yeah, she's a big girl. If you are like counting hands, that's the size of most like Clydesdales and Percherons that you see at the state fair pulling carriages. But like a patient mother, she's the most gentle soul you will ever meet totally nurturing and loves cats which is really funny if she's on the cross ties getting tagged up for a ride or a groom there's always a cat that's patiently sit that patiently sits with her as if they're having their own conversation so when i'm not riding i'll get i'll go over to the barn i'll get her out and if she's not in a lesson i'll get her out of her stall and i'll brush her just to spend some time with her and she seems to enjoy it too so then back in july my mom was in the hospital for a month with a pretty serious stomach issue and infection. I stayed in my hometown so I could be closer to her. And at that time, Franny was out of commission as well because they found an abscess in her front right hoof. I thought it was pretty interesting that the two most important women in my life were going through the same sort of wound care. But um, yeah, hmm. I made it to the barn once a week to see her and give her peppermints. It ached me so much to be away from her, even if it was just once a week. And it was something I deeply looked forward to and get a break from the hospital. And just like my hometown in general, for those of you who don't live in their hometowns. <laughs> um, but anyway, I wanted to continue writing. So I reached out and I couldn't write Franny with her uh, situation that was going on. So I reached out to a trainer that does Western close to my hometown. This is where I met Sugar. The Sugar is a six-year-old mare. Can you see there's a mare theme here? They just like attract, I, I attract them, I think. They just come to me. She's sweet, challenging, and a perfectionist. She'll let you know when you're not making the correct, I use quote, air quotes, the correct movements with your legs or through the reins. We have evolved into doing Liberty together, but she's very particular. 
And liberty is where a horse is at liberty to follow you or execute the thing you're asking the horse to do. It's a lot of groundwork that she and I both enjoy. And did you ever go to the circus where you were when you were a kid and saw the ladies working the horses that were running freely around the big top? Yeah, that's the liberty work and some trick riding. So then there's Shiloh, last but not least. Shiloh is my dad's Appaloosa mare. She's 28 years old and has never been ridden or trained except for maybe some halter and leading, lead training. I love spending time with this mare because she has no worries. She just wants to hang out with me in the pasture and get brushed. I call her my sage mare or my woman of the woods because she loves being outside and only goes into the barn to eat. She's the one who I interact with the most. There aren't any other horses around, so she gets her social needs met when I visit. She even treats me like a fellow horse, so when I groom her, she grooms me. If I'm like bending over to like pick a brush out of a bucket, she'll like put her lips on my back and you can feel her just kind of moving it around and moving her lips around on my back like when a horse grooms another horse. It's really sweet. Okay, so you're probably like, what is going on here? Why are you talking about horses? This is a boudoir business podcast, so what the F? So let's dive into the six lessons that these mares have taught me about my boudoir photography business. Hey, photographer. You can now take the guesswork out of the pricing mystery. Because sometimes we wonder, is this really profitable? Am I going to be making money from this? Or is all of this going to go into the product that I create for my client? So I created a simple profitable price list just for you. In these done for you price lists, there are three different levels that will make you profitable during your ordering appointments. And they are priced for you to print high end quality products from Graphy Studio. Each level offers similar products, just at a higher price point that works for you. My favorite one is level three. If you're interested in this $10 guide, I included it in the show notes. No pressure. This price list has helped me reach six figures in my boudoir photography business, and I want the same for you. Just stick to the guide and don't worry about anything else. If you have any questions, you can DM me on Instagram at Bethany Quinn Studios. That's also in the show notes. And a word of warning when it comes to pricing, people will think you're expensive, but there are also people out there who will think a $50 experience is too expensive. These are not your people. You're not into this to be a charity. You're in business to create the life of your dreams. You don't have to serve everyone. Some people just want a sixth, fifth avenue experience for Walmart prices. It's not going to work, so go ahead and let them go. I'm giving you permission to do so. So if you're interested, once again, no pressure. That link to the guide is only $10 and it's in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, number one, take time for yourself. Grooming and hoof care are important in the bonding process of you and your horse. If you don't take care of your own needs, you'll end up feeling burned out and taken advantage of. You can't give from an empty cup. Number two, set clear boundaries. (laughs) 
<laughs> boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Don't let clients or people run you over. Set up clear guidelines for when people can expect to hear from you. Schedule work hours even if you aren't booked up. I know that my horses need direction and people do too. By having great boundaries, this will pave the way for being open to more opportunities, not just in business, but in life. If you think of your boundaries as a garden, you have a fence to keep the rodents and other animals out of it. Your veggies are your values. You have to protect the veggies slash values by putting up a fence. You aren't responsible for how others respond when you put up that fence, AKA your boundaries. I call this the boundary hangover for example, when you, Okay, for example, someone wants to reschedule a session for a Saturday. I tell them I'm not available. I'm only available on Thursdays. If they'd like to do a shoot with me, you will have to schedule on a Thursday. They can choose how they want to react to that. But because I value having Saturdays off with my family, there's no way I'm going to let that client book with me on that day. Make sense? The boundary hangover piece is once you set up and like this is it gets better the more that you set up this boundary. Um, I have a tendency to get triggered whenever someone like tests my boundaries, but then I'll be like, no, this is how it is. And if you wanna work together, that's fine. Or um, what's another example? Um, let's see, if you wanna work together, this is how, like you're just kind of guiding them away to protect the values and the boundaries. And then the way that, um, once you set those boundaries, sometimes, or you set a boundary with someone, doesn't have to be a client. Sometimes that feel like I'll think, oh my gosh, was that too harsh? That might be a bit too harsh. But then it's like once we go ahead and go through with the execution of that in the alternate way that I present to them, then I feel much better. But it's just like the constant action of like resetting those boundaries. I hope that makes sense. Anyway. Number three, have clear communication, like I mentioned in boundaries, but how many times have you said something that you want to do and don't do it? Or maybe you find yourself doing something that you never wanted to do in the first place. <laughs> Having clear communication with yourself, it's just as important to have clear communication with your clients and anyone else you interact with in your business. Number four, do what you say honor what you say to your clients if there are if they're signing up for a session that includes a promo follow through with it if you've quoted them a specific starting price keep them in that specific price even when you're in between the time of raising your prices you got to do the follow-through number five throw perfectionism and expectations out the window you can have a clear plan of action only for it to be thrown out the window. <laughs> but you have to have a plan, so follow it loosely. There is no perfect process for everything. We can only do the best that we can. And finally, number six, create connection. Whether it's through your email list, social media, or phone consultations, connect with your client on a human level, but keep your boundaries in mind. Thanks so much for listening to this Boudoir Photographer Life podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram at Bethany Quinn Studios. Special thanks to Sarah Wilkie from Wilkie On Demand and Bethany Quinn Studios. Mm -hmm.